pitch early, but not often. Mm. The PR people I really trust, I really like and trust them because I know when I hear from them, they have a good and interesting story. Welcome to Hacks and Flax, the podcast from March Communications, where we cover PR, marketing, media, and all things communications. I'm Manny Vega. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And my guest today is Anne Mostu. Uh, she is the anchor for Bloomberg Radio here in Boston, and also a reporter covering uh, finance, business, and, and, and biotech research and investment. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the show. Hi, Manny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. I know it's um, pretty early in the day here. Uh, you've got a, a busy day ahead of you, I'm sure. How much um, How much of the day do you actually spend on the radio uh, doing your shows? It's a good question. I'm on the radio from 1 to 5 every day, so four hours of basically live hits from pretty much every 5 to 11 minutes. So it's a pretty intense afternoon on the air, and I'm reading market numbers, essentially telling people how publicly traded businesses in Boston are doing mm. in the stock market today. And um, my afternoons are pretty much all on air. Yeah, and you've, it's obviously an interesting platform over there at Bloomberg Radio, because um, you've kind of got an international reach. And that's something that we'll, we'll cover today. But just, just for some initial background, um, you, you also participated in a recent panel uh, sponsored by the Pub Club of New England. Uh, which March is a member of, and uh, it included some speed pitching sessions, right? Which are, I guess, like one-on-one opportunities with with the PR professionals and, and yourself to talk about pitches. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was a really well-organized event. So kudos to you guys for doing that. It was um, a speed pitching with a healthcare theme. So the people who came were from large and small healthcare companies trying to figure out um, they were actually either from the company or they were from the PR team representing the company. And they were trying to figure out what each news outlet was looking for. So I was there along with a reporter from the Boston Business Journal and a reporter from Boston Magazine. Cool. Yeah. that's We actually spoke to Jessica Bartlett from the Boston Business Journal who took who took part in that session um, to get some of her feedback as well. And was it the first time you'd done a session like this before? Yeah, it was the first time I'd done speed pitching, which I thought was a genius idea because it was quick and we immediately figured out what the other person was trying to was looking for and what was and what the other person was pitching. So, it was it was a very efficient way to interact with someone in PR because I uh, I usually interact over email and uh, phone calls and that kind of thing. So, it was it was actually nice to meet people face to face as well. Right, and I imagine too for the um, for the PR folks who are in attendance, it's probably a pretty beneficial way to, um, as you say, it's kind of it's more efficient. You're kind of cutting down your pitches, making them much less complex, and and really trying to get to the core of the story uh, much more quickly, right? Right, exactly, and let them know what we are not looking for, which is in some ways as helpful as telling them what we are looking for. I think totally. Uh, did you gain anything uh, from the from the experience just being on that end? Yeah, I did. I mean, I've definitely followed up with a few people who had some really good story ideas. The main message I always say to PR folks is that Bloomberg's looking for news about publicly traded companies. So as much as we want to cover startups, we often do not unless they're coming up with an incredible cure for a disease. For the most part, we're focused on large companies in Boston. So Vertex, um, Dunkin' Donuts, TJ Maxx, the big, big companies in Boston and how their stock's doing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about pitching obviously all the time on this show and, and try to get insights from different reporters with different perspectives. So um, just looking at your perspective, working at Bloomberg Radio, uh, the scale in the audience is, is obviously pretty unique. Um, and actually, before we dive into that, do you, do you mind just giving us a sense of your background in reporting and maybe you know what, what brought you to Bloomberg? Yeah, sure. I went, I went to Wellesley College and studied English, and then I was a news reporter. I'd been a news reporter for my high school and college newspapers. I really loved to write. But I didn't plan on a career in journalism. I traveled for for a while, did some volunteer work, and then came back to Boston to go to BU for a master's in journalism because I really did want to be a reporter and had a great experience at BU. My first job was as the business writer for the Bangor Daily News in Bangor, Maine, which was like covering hardware store grant openings, <laughs> not <laughs> Wall Street. And then I went to Maine Public Radio because I had interned at WBUR in grad school and really loved radio. So Maine Public Radio hired me to be a general assignment reporter for Northern and Eastern Maine. And then I got an offer from Western Mass, which is New England Public Radio. So the station serving Southern Vermont, Northern Connecticut, and Western Mass. I was a general assignment reporter for them as well for two and a half years. And then WGBH in Boston hired me to be a general assignment reporter, so I went there. Um, a lot of time traveling around New England, a lot of time getting to know a lot of different industries in, in New England. But again, the news of the day was what dictated my schedule, so it was very, very unpredictable. And then I got an offer a year ago from Bloomberg to cover really mostly just biotech in Boston, and I was really excited at the opportunity to have an official beat Mm. and a slightly more predictable schedule because they wanted me to anchor the afternoon newscasts. So that's that's how I had this sort of circuitous arrival and what I'm focusing on now. I'm learning a tremendous amount because my background is not in biotech, but we have some great print reporters here and in New York who help me out a lot with understanding certain stories and I'm doing a lot of interviews with CEOs and things like that, which is also really helpful. And whatever is on the air, because I'm working in the radio division of Bloomberg, whatever is on the air can also be in the Bloomberg terminal, which is the network of computers that Mike Bloomberg invented in the 80s that sit on the desk of every trader in the world. So we end up having a lot of exposure. Every story is exposed Mm -hmm. to pretty much anybody who's interested. And every radio hit can be heard around the world, even though our AM station is just here in Boston. Right. So that's, that's definitely an interesting, um, an interesting difference, I'd say probably between some of your previous stops. So obviously, you know, a lot of experience here in radio, a lot of background there. Um, And and you mentioned kind of having the more predictability of being the anchor in the afternoon uh, was a big difference for you. Is there any other major differences in in reporting from Bloomberg compared to uh, some of the other places you had been before? Yes, definitely a numbers focus here at Bloomberg. So I never talk about a company without talking about how its stock is doing today, what its price per share is. The basics of that information is always in my stories. I did not ever talk about stock prices when I worked for public radio. Mm-hmm. And I am always just thinking about who my listener is. My listeners are always investors. And so and people driving to and from the financial district for work for the most part. So I'm always thinking about what they what they need to know to start their day. 
and what they need to know to communicate to their clients and to other coworkers in the financial industry. So that's it's essentially a question of what people should do with their money today. Those are the questions I'm trying to answer every day that I'm on the air. And when it comes to biotech, I'm trying to let people know why certain stocks are moving, why some company's stock is going up and down, and what's, what the company's statement is about it. So those are, the, those are the questions I'm asking every morning when I'm scanning which companies to report on. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really a blast because not only am I getting to know some of the people behind the companies by interviewing them, I'm also figuring out it's sort of a puzzle every day. What, what, why is this stock price moving and what does it mean for investors? And does that mean people are going to start buying or selling or that kind of thing? So. Yeah. So I've actually I visited the Bloomberg office during a, a tour that the PubCub um, offered a few months ago, and it's, it's really gorgeous. I, I don't know how you get any work done in that place because I'd be staring out that big window with that great <laughs> view of the city the entire time uh, if I were there. But um, yeah. so it's over there in the financial district. Could you give us a little bit of a sense of the newsroom? You know, how many reporters you have working out of that office, and how many reporters and and, and stories I guess you have access to as the anchor for the the radio the radio show in the afternoon. Yeah, sure. It's a large newsroom on two floors in a high-rise in downtown Crossing, as you mentioned. And we have a large team of print reporters. We have about 20 print reporters who are writing for the terminal. They're feeding tons of press releases and information into the terminal. And they are writing for Business Week magazine. And then there is myself in the radio studios. And then we have a television studio that allows us to have satellite interviews with New York. So all of, all of Bloomberg television is produced mostly in New York and San Francisco, unless people are live in the field. So whenever there's a big company with a lot of news in Boston, we bring the CEO into the studios here, sit them down in the TV studio and beam them up to New York. So that's that's really the gist of it. It's um, it's a really great big studio and it's beautiful, as you mentioned. I, I think the facilities are incredible. I'm very lucky to work with a company that can afford to have really great equipment. Um, and then your next part of your question, Manny, I'm blanking. Uh, just the number of folks that you have access to in the office and and the reporters. I think you, okay. you pretty much touched on it, but I mean, in, internationally, of course, Bloomberg has this this huge reach, and I think I've seen what like 2,500 reporters. Um, internationally is that right yeah worldwide could you talk a little bit about that international reach because it's interesting that you're, you're working out of this boston office and obviously there are local stories that are important but much of what you uh talk about on the radio and and what gets covered in print um that has an international relevancy right right it absolutely does so i'm reading what other reporters are putting to the terminal from around the world absolutely I don't use everything or, or most of it, I would say, because most of it isn't relevant to Boston listeners. But what I, what I have access to is incredible because it's news. Like you say, we have 2,500 reporters in more than 200 bureaus around the world. So we've got, whether people are aware of it or not, we've got Bloomberg reporters in every city. And in fact, the Bloomberg reporter roster is longer than the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal combined. So we've got a lot of people on the ground paying attention to business news around the world. So they're feeding the terminal every day. People write short stories. They write long stories. Everyone's constantly feeding the terminal. So it's very easy for me to pull up news from anywhere and read it. 
Um, and I use that to inform my newscast. I use it to inform um, the longer stories that I work on. But I also use my coworkers here in Boston who have a very large institutional knowledge of what's been going on in not just in the financial district, but in Cambridge and the seaport and especially in biotech, which I'm covering, as I mentioned. So there's also great access to people at Harvard, MIT, the Broad. There's just a lot of people who, I mean, in in general in Boston, I think, who you can turn to for explanations for what's going on in the news. But um, yeah, the terminal is extremely valuable. Yeah, and, and I bring up the audience because um, it, it's something that kind of stood out to me when we, when we did do that tour. As you say, you know, Bloomberg has this huge roster of reporters and this this incredible international reach. Everyone knows the name and everyone sees the network and the, and, and and knows the radio stations there. But it's almost uh, surprising when you hear um, how much potential there is there. And and what interests interested me the most is you know these terminals. I don't want to say it's like a niche audience because when people say niche, it almost you, you kind of think small. And it, it's not that it's small. It's just this very engaged. Um, informed audience of mostly people in finance, investors, right? So you're covering kind of stock market moving news. Yeah, exactly. It's always it's always market moving news. That's that's exactly how we describe it too, Manny. And um, it is true that a lot of people don't know a lot about Bloomberg. It's not the, it's not the news service your parents subscribed to growing up, probably. So. In, in, it's funny, when I went from public radio to Bloomberg, my parents were confused as to why I would make that decision, and I had to explain to them. <laughs> but it's, um, it's just, it's, it's a very, it is a very specific audience, but it actually is larger and oftentimes subscribed to more than you think. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if you're really looking at bylines, you'll see that the Boston Globe and the New York Times will run Bloomberg stories and link to them on their websites. So, and Bloomberg.com is is free and open to anyone who wants to read it. Um, you won't get every story from every reporter around the world, but there are a lot of stories and a lot of podcasts and a lot of television live streaming on Bloomberg.com. So that's one way to kind of understand more or, or access the stories more. But it is, um, for, for people who don't work in financial services, it is often not a news service they're aware that they can turn to, but... They certainly can. Mm-hmm. So, so that's obviously you know that 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 degree of coverage and or that 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 reach for your audience is, is probably pretty appealing to many uh, PR folks and, and and folks who are listening to this podcast. And maybe you can give us a sense of the types of stories that um, you do cover because, as you said, it's it's stock market moving news. S- local is you know is is a factor, right? Is that the first thing on your list? You're looking for a story that's about Boston, about biotech in Boston, uh, and it absolutely it absolutely has to have that local relevancy. Yes, it does because I am assigned to cover Bay State Biotech. Right. So it's there are reporters in every other city looking at biotech stories. So it's not my responsibility to pay attention to Cleveland Biotech, right. for example, or San Diego, even though there's a lot of overlap. Um, I generally am focusing only on Boston-based biotechs and Cambridge-based, but there's so much going on in sort of the 495 I-95 corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's interesting biotech stuff happening in Danvers, in Waltham, in Andover. So there's there's no strict limit to Boston. But yes, I am focused on this area. Right. And you mentioned um, startup stories, these kind of entrepreneurial stories aren't always relevant. What, what does it take for those kind of stories to be relevant for, for your audience? 
Yeah, it usually takes a very um, a very interesting new drug or product or treatment for something, and some amount of collaboration with a local hospital or university. So I've met companies who are private, but they are working with Brigham and Women's on something that's really extraordinary, some kind of treatment or research and development. That's the kind of thing we would be interested in. But when someone's making something, I, I, I know I'm speaking in very vague terms, but when someone is creating a device or a widget or a treatment for something and it's somebody working out of a small lab or in their basement, it's not necessarily something investors can start investing in or paying attention to. So if there's not not a lot of access to investing opportunities, it's not my responsibility to put that on the air, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And um, I think that's a good guide for, for listeners. It's that investment aspect of it, right? Right, exactly. So it can be fun and interesting to showcase some startups. There's so many people doing fascinating things in Boston, and obviously small business is the backbone of the economy, but it really needs to be information that's relevant to our listeners. So I, I, I turn people down a lot. I always feel bad about it, but we just don't cover every single startup that's out there. Right. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the different channels uh, and platforms that you're that you're working on each day. So obviously we know um, stories, uh, print stories can go to the terminal. Um, but then for the radio, you are on the air, as you said, one to five every day. Uh, and you have a few different shows as well. So there's the Baystake Biotech Report, right? Do you want to describe what that's about a little bit? Yeah, sure. And you're right. It gets a little confusing. So I do a biotech report for the radio every morning with Donnie Bloomfield, who's our print reporter here, who's very, very good. So we choose two stories to talk about usually every morning, and we record it, and then it airs at 10.30 in the morning and at 2.40 in the afternoon. It's also podcasted on Bloomberg.com. So that's the Bay State Biotech Report. Then I start writing scripts for the afternoon newscasts, and I spend most of my morning doing that. And I use the terminal for that, but I also use press releases. I also talk to people and figure out, you know, occasionally I get a call from a PR person saying, hey, I have a client who's going to be breaking some news at noon. Do you want to talk to the CEO? Or um, here's, a, here's an embargoed press release, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on the air just doing newscasts, which is general Boston news. So anything and everything that's of interest to listeners doesn't have to be biotech. And then on Friday afternoons, my bureau chief, Tom Maroney, and I have a show called the Bay State Business Hour, where we interview CEOs in the Boston area. And again, not just biotech. Mm-hmm. Any any and all CEOs of publicly traded companies or really significant startups is is who we book. And that show books about a month and a half, two months out. And it's doing really well. It's been a lot of fun. It's a tough time for CEOs to come in on Friday afternoons (laughs) because most people want to be home. But it's a great time for listenership because so many of our listeners are in the car driving and listening to the radio. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, so for for the daily news items, the the biotech report, and then obviously what you're doing in the afternoons, 
Um, you mentioned you'll sometimes get, say, a press release, an embargoed press release, uh, I assume from like a publicly traded company about some major announcement, and maybe a, a quick call from from a CEO to what maybe offer context on that announcement. Um, exactly. But it's all really yep. news-based stuff and all about those publicly traded companies, correct? Correct. Exactly. The the thing that I always emphasize is that reporters don't want to ignore press, you know, PR folks, mm-hmm. but we get so much email that it's oh, yeah. really, really tough. So I get I get to work, and I probably have 250 emails. I think that what happens in a lot of cases, and reporters sort of know this, is that our email addresses get sold to lists. And so right. I get email from really irrelevant email from PR folks in, you know, Dallas or New Jersey or Montana with news about some business or some news that's not even business related. It's just totally irrelevant. And so I'm constantly scanning the headlines, uh, subject lines of my emails to delete them. And it, it gets really tough to weed out useful, helpful, relevant press releases and information for the newscasts from the complete spam mm-hmm. that I'm getting. And um, that's the one thing I ask PR folks to be patient about. And if they send me something and they don't get a response or they don't think I've noticed it, they can always resend it again. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best way to get my attention. So what stands out when you when you are scanning your emails? Um, obviously, there's got to be something local, right? And and I assume for companies that you know are going to be relevant, uh, you know, a name that's um, that's important here in Boston. Um, but are there is there anything beyond that? Are you looking for like a um, even to augment or, or to, to help out the business hour show, or like policy experts, CEOs who just know a lot about certain stories that are in the news, or you know, what kind of um, what kind of interviews are you looking for? Or what kind of subjects are you looking to talk to? I mean, I'm looking for CEOs always, sometimes CFOs, mm-hmm. but for the most part, CEOs. The subject lines that stand out are ones that just look like headlines. So, you know, Harvard announces new collaboration with, you know, with MIT or something like that, which is not something they would probably <laughs> probably be announcing, but um, some kind of major basic headline and then a very quick summary of the story. Um and it's just frustrating because I, I find that a lot of email that I get takes a very long time to get to the point. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll start out with, hey, Anne, hope you're doing well. Here's the CEO. He's, he grew up in Brookline, and he has founded 17 companies, and now he works in the seaport. And, and I'm thinking, why? what is this information? Is this, this guy have news? Does he, is he starting a company? Because... If he's starting a company, great, but that's not news. Right. Um, if he's starting a company, it's going public, that's news, you know. Or if he's solving, if he's curing cancer, that's news. But there's just a lot of sort of just deductive, long, rambling stuff before it gets to the point. And I really want people to <laughs> give me, hey, I have a CEO, his company's going public, he's happy to talk to you. Right. That's that's about all I really need. Um, but I, I tend to, I tend to find them far more verbose than they need to be. Yeah. That's something uh, that we've heard before on the show here. So this idea of, first of all, kind of envisioning your headline and, and offering that to the reporter first, so that way they can at least understand what the story's about, you know, like what is the actual news here? Um, and then keeping it simple in the body, just like, Hey, this is this, his, this is the contact. Um, here's what he, what he has to say. Are you interested? Um, and I think, 
on, on the on the PR folks side, there's kind of this desire to demonstrate like this is really relevant and you kind of almost want to oversell it and pack it full of all this other contextual information and, and make it seem like, you know, this is the greatest thing, whereas that's really just more distracting, isn't it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So are there any other big, um, you know, points of feedback or any other uh, tips that you could share uh, to PR folks who are trying to pitch uh, you, even, you know, even if it's not just for Bloomberg, but in general, just based on your past experience? Yeah, I think my main point would be to pitch early, but not often. Mm. Because the folks I really trust, the PR people I really trust, and there's probably like 10 of them in the Boston area, I really like and trust them because I know when I hear from them, they have a good and interesting story. They're selective about what they send to me. They know and pay attention to what I want. And if I start seeing your name in my inbox every single day, I'm going to think that you're just starting to throw anything at me. Right. And I start to not read every single email you send. So I really need people to be selective about each pitch and think about, okay, so here's, here's a big, here's an example. Um, Fidelity investments might have some kind of really new, interesting financial product or, um, they might be spinning off a new venture capital wing. That's really interesting to our listeners. But if 25 Fidelity employees go on a corporate retreat and learn about how to be better managers, that's not interesting at all to mm. my listeners. And the PR person for Fidelity knows which things to pitch to me and which not to. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. They don't just send me all Fidelity news. So that's the kind of thing I really appreciate, and that's the kind of thing that I think makes for good relationships between PR folks. And also, the the ones I like and work with the most are the ones who are comfortable with me telling them why I don't want to take the story, and we have open communication about that. Mm. So they get it, or they, they might be mad at me, I might be mad at them. You know, There's always butting heads, but at least we can say this is this is a great pitch thanks very much or this is not a great pitch and here's why but next time they don't waste my time with that pitch and i don't waste their time saying i might run it and then not run it right so that's basically i mean it's all about the audience in the end it's all about getting useful information to the public that's everybody's priority i think but um it just becomes about clients and I understand that I understand what you guys have to go through well I think you make some good points though it's you know I think over time um uh, PR professionals have to get better at almost self-editing and it's something you kind of teach yourself you know and and being more selective yourself so that way when you do approach a reporter with a story um it's got a a better chance than than not to be something that's appealing and actually relevant for what they're they're covering exactly so so some good takeaways here pitch early not often I like that be selective um have this open communication um, with reporters and I guess, uh, or, or with, uh, reporters and, and between, sorry, between reporters and PR folks. Um, and then just to kind of double back real quick, um, before we wrap up here on the Bay State business hour, you're talking to, as you say, folks who are working, um, uh, executives, I guess, at these publicly traded companies. Um, and these, this audience is also investor based. Um, but are you doing, are those like news stories? Are they in-depth conversations, feature stories? What's, what's the focus there? On the, on the business hour? Right, the business hour, the Bay State business hour. Yeah, that is just live interviews. 
So it's not stories. It's live interviews with CEOs about what's new at their company right mm-hmm. now. So more like investor information, building off what you guys offer yep. throughout the week. Yep, exactly. It's it's a sort of a week in review show and it, to some extent because we go over the numbers and how how different companies did in Boston, the winners and losers, we call them. Mm-hmm. The, the, the companies that did really well in the markets and the companies that did not. And then we interview usually three or four CEOs and often a Bloomberg reporter who's had a big story out this week in Boston. So that's that's essentially what we're doing. We're asking the CEOs to talk about what's happening in their company now, what's what's the look ahead, what should people be expecting this year, that kind of thing. And they they tend to be pretty candid. Actually, I've been really we've been pleasantly surprised by how comfortable and candid a lot of the CEOs tend to be. We don't expect them to make any big breaking news. We would love it if they do. But um, they tend to be really candid, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Great. And so um, wrapping up here, because I don't want to keep you too long, um, I'm doing an unofficial survey of all the reporters I speak to. Uh, email or phone? Do you have a preference? Always email. Always. E- everyone says always email. No one has said phone so far. So. Only because I can read it anytime I want, right. and phone calls usually go directly to my studio line. And if I'm on air and you call me, I will not be happy. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to get on the uh, <laughs> do not reply list, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, mornings are fine. If you want to call me in the morning, it's fine. But when someone calls me in the afternoon to pitch a story, I think you do not know how to do your job mm-hmm. because it's just not a good way to reach. Most reporters are slammed afternoon, like we are slammed to hit deadlines in the afternoon. So Yeah, I think most uh, on the PR side folks know that, and I'm pretty sure um, I know I would prefer to get the email rather than phone myself as well, so... Um, can yeah. empathize there. Uh, and actually, would you recommend the, the speed pitching session that you did with Pub Club to any of your colleagues? Absolutely. I would absolutely recommend the speed pitching. It was great. You guys did a great job lining up companies that I would be interested in talking to. Um, the company sent really great representatives who had concise, effective pitches. And I thought it was a great experience. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'm glad it uh, sounds like the folks who attended got a lot of benefit out of it as well. So um, appreciate that. So, you know, it was a pleasure speaking with you today, Anne. Um, thanks for the chat. Thanks for taking the time this morning. Yeah. Thanks, Manny. Thanks for doing this podcast. You ask all the right questions. It's great. <laughs> I'm glad to get that feedback. That's always nice to hear. So that's Anne Moss too. She's anchor and reporter at uh, Bloomberg radio. She's also on Twitter. Her handle is Anne Moss too. That's A N N E M O S T U E. You can follow her there. You can also follow our show on Twitter. Our handle is at hacksflax. Uh, We are a production of March Communications, and you can find out more about our agency and our show at marchcoms.com slash blog. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes to get the latest episode delivered straight to your device when we come out. That is all for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back very soon. (laughs) 